Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello boys and girls, welcome to our first Fantasy 2017 show. Uh, technically, it's never a bad time to talk fantasy football, but now we are officially in the fantasy season. Ravi, how do you uh, feel about that? I'm so excited, Erwin. Uh, I, I think... Our primary I, talking season is the fantasy football season, it feels like. Yeah. And even more so this year with all the changes amongst teams and players kind of moving around during the summer more than it seems like usually, mm-hmm. I'm super excited. I think in all the excitement, we forgot to introduce ourselves. <laughs> this is <laughs> Aravind Srinivasan and Ravi Krishnan and you are listening to Masala PTI, a random sports talk by two desis. Um It's not that random, right? We, we know what we are talking about, don't you think? Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so. <laughs> to us, uh, or to me, whatever we discuss feels like genius talks. I hope people feel at least we are somewhere close to there. Yeah. Uh, even I, I will take even halfway there. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, most people are drafting. At least uh, the draft orders are in place, even for uh, leagues that are doing it late, like ourselves. And by the way, congrats on your second pick. So we had our draft lottery today and uh, Ravi got two. I got the no man's land six. Uh, I'm trying to get out of that, but let's see how it goes. So how do you feel about two? How do you feel about the top of the draft, given that Ezekiel Elliott is in a uh, load of trouble? So, you know, uh, Arvind, and we were briefly discussing this prior to this podcast. Uh, this year feels like a top five type of a draft where, at least to me, there seem to be five clear picks in any order you take them uh, Mm -hmm. to be taken in the top five. So it feels very top-heavy even within the first-round universe. Uh, And therefore, I feel super excited about being this, uh, you know, having the second overall pick. In fact, to me, it wouldn't have mattered uh, this way or if I had gotten the first pick. Uh, yeah. Because I think uh, I have literally nothing to choose uh, between uh, the two top picks in my mind, which both happen to be running backs. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell and uh, uh, DJ, right? Basically, yes. David Johnson. Let me ask you this. Who would be your first pick in this scenario? Not that you have the first pick. And who would be the first pick if uh, Elliot was healthy? I mean, not healthy, it was not suspended. Scenario number one, it would be David Johnson. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just feels like he's more reliable uh, 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 on and off the field with Le'Veon, who's probably the better talent. Uh, The whole off-the-field concern with him is slightly troubling. Uh, You know, part of it is just the sheer fear of, you know, if he lapses on his... uh, whole, uh, you know, drug binge, he <laughs> could be gone for a long while. So that's one thing. And the second thing is he's obviously having some contractual issue with the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, coupled with Roethlisberger, kind of not giving a full-time commitment to the Steelers. I mean, it just feels like that the whole uh, non, 
game related issues are stacking up as far as Le'Veon is concerned. So despite the fact that he's obviously the better talent, uh, DJ feels like the more secure pick. Yes, DJ is a kind of a can't miss prospect at this point, right? But why do you think what do you mean by Ben Roethlisberger not giving everything to still he's he's in for this year, right? At least he should be all in through this yeah, year. So that- you know, so that's the part that, I mean, again, I'm now literally uh, nitpicking here, but uh, for the longest time, you knew that the Steelers uh, were basically led by the superstar triumvirate of uh, Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell until mm-hmm. this past season, and Ben, for the first time, kind of threw out these uh, uh, quotes around possibly retiring and not, then now coming back for a year. It just feels like the situation is not as stable. Like, you could pencil in these three guys to be top 10 for sure. I mean, in the case of Big Ben, top 10 for sure. But the other two are absolute studs. And for the first time, it feels like things are uh, slightly less stable, slightly more brittle, uh, uh, which which, which is the only reason why I feel less uh, uh, hyped about Le'Veon as I do about... uh, uh, DJ, and by the way, to your second question, I would have probably had Elliot above Le'Veon among those three. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I would have too. If I had one, I would have had a trouble picking between DJ and Elliot. I'm a big uh, Le'Veon Bell fan. Uh, the problem with him is all the thing you outlined, right? It just... Uh, he can get suspended for smoking weed anytime. He can get injured. He has a lot of baggage. Uh, yes. So, so pure talent is just unbelievable. He should be number one, actually. If, if he had none of those things slowing him down, he should be uh, number one because the guy can pass, I mean, not pass, catch as well as run and uh, is unstoppable. How about this, right? Last year, if you remember, we spent quite a bit of time about... Uh, wide receivers being picked higher and higher and things like that. In fact, last year, number one was Antonio Brown in a lot of the consensus ranking. And both you and me had issues with that, but you more than me because we are, you know, old schoolers. We like running backs. Now, this year, obviously, the running backs have creeped up to the top. But it's still interesting that most of the mid-first round and late-first round, it's all still heavily wide receiver dominated. As a matter of fact, I'm not entirely sure. I feel like there are more wide receivers this year in the top 12 ranking than last year. Did you did you see that? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sure you saw that. I, I, do you have any thoughts on that? There's like, I think eight of them are wide receivers. Yeah, and I agree with you, Arvind, and that is exactly the trend I felt uh, or I observed as I looked through the various top 200 lists. But I attribute it as much to the growth uh, of the or the growth in popularity of the wide receiver position because the foot because NFL is becoming more and more a passing league. But equally importantly, I attribute it to a sheer dearth of your typically old school elite. Uh, uh, running backs and elite either in terms of their talent mm-hmm. or in terms of being the sole ball carriers for their teams. I mean, there are very few, literally a handful, possibly even fewer, yeah. uh, truly uh, one-back systems 
uh, or teams in the league anymore. And that's the reason when, you know, you have at the lower end of the first round, if you can, uh, you know, if you get Melvin Gordon, if you are supposed to get excited, you know that the running back <laughs> position is really getting scarce. Speaking of, um, I am, I'm not a big San Diego Chargers fan or anything like that. Melvin Gordon had a pretty impressive uh, fantasy season, right? Especially for where he was drafted last year after a miserable rookie season the year before. But I am still hearing a lot of criticism of him from an NFL perspective. People still think he's a bust, but I thought he had a great fantasy year last year. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I have a theory on that. I feel oftentimes... All these media hacks, obviously, they are super smart and they know, uh, you know, X number of times more about football than I do. But in the process of trying to be football experts versus fantasy football analysts, mm-hmm. some of the latter end up becoming too focused on football skills. And Melvin Gordon is a good example of that. They keep criticizing his speed, his lack of lat- lateral agility and this and that. And my thought is, fantasy football is as much about opportunity and reps as it is about sheer talent. The guy gets volume. Melvin Gordon was pretty much on every play in the backfield. So irrespective of whether he averages four yards a carry or whether, you know, his uh, uh, 60 speed is really slow, doesn't matter. I mean, he ended up with like 20 carries for 90 yards and two touchdowns, which, you know, I would take to the bank every day. That's good, but I think it's his yards per carry that people have a problem with. I think it's pretty low. Um, anyway, so not to digress. So given that, right, given that you are absolutely right, that running backs are kind of not what they used to be, and then there's all these receivers, what do you think is the best strategy for people in the middle of the first round? Now, luckily, you don't have to deal with this. You are at two. <laughs> I am at six, right? And I'm sure people, listeners, are at all over the place in the first round. It does make, even more so than last year, it makes sense to pick a receiver, looks like. What, what, do you, what, what would you do if you were five or six? Now, I'm sitting at six, right? I'm looking at the running backs, like you said. It's either McCoy or Freeman or Gordon, None of those names really excite me. Uh, I would rather pick a stud receiver, right? Even somebody like Mike Evans, who is on the up and up, to me is better than this running back. So it's a hypothetical question for you, but still at six, for instance, uh, does it make sense to take a receiver or running back? My argument is this may be a draft where it makes sense to pick a receiver. Uh, I it pains me to say that I agree with you. <laughs> to take a receiver in the first round, especially in the mid-first round, I never thought I would say yes to. Yeah. But this year just looks pathetic after the first couple of running backs, uh, mm-hmm. excluding Elliot, who obviously has his own issues. But after that, yeah, I, you, you, the names you mentioned are when people like Mike Evans or uh, AJ Green or even Jordy Nelson are a lot more appealing. Yeah. Uh, then the likes of uh, Melvin Gordon or Devonta Freeman. Yes, yes. Now let me ask you a few of the you know names and how do we deal with them, right? Obviously, the top of the list is Ezekiel Elliott, who was a consensus number one pick. Now he is go. He has already 
challenge the suspension the the verdict is due right yeah and there are reports that he might go to court like tom brady um how would you play this see you know this better than uh, our listeners two years back i picked brady and that turned out great for me right i think i went to the super bowl and might have even lost to you or something uh so basically i picked him he was suspended for four games he he went to court because the case takes so long the suspension didn't happen that year now he was suspended last year i still picked him because much lower he, he still had value right so now yeah. elliot is almost in the same situation so people are going to struggle with where exactly to pick him what does your gut say i i am the kind of person who given the brady experience might be willing to gamble on him earlier than then you know it would be safe oh yeah so what's what's the what have you seen as the consensus uh, area where elliot is being advised to be picked assuming things are as they are right now so with the uncertainty around his availability what have you seen as to where people are advising him to be picked it's a little bit all over the place but i have seen him early third late second that sort of thing right yeah so it is still a little high you could argue it's a little high but obviously for a number 1 pick uh, it's pretty low so that's where he is so so my take if you ask me based on what you just told me and given my typical bias towards running backs i would totally gamble with uh, picking elliot up in the early second round yeah uh, and and you know that is also born from the fact that it's not just about the player himself obviously he's again a transcendental talent so even if you get six games or sorry uh, uh, nine games from him or six seven whatever 10 games from him it matters a whole lot but on top of it the reason he's always been very uh, tempting is because he runs behind that awesome offensive line uh, dallas does value the run a lot uh, and uh, whoever mm-hmm. is backing him up i'm still assuming it's mcfadden i don't think he's chop liver either so if you want a serviceable i mean so the whole thing the whole contingency with all of what i'm saying is that you end up reaching for mcfadden earlier than when he would normally get picked but you know what you at least that way have your uh second running back position at worst really well taken care of yeah so i think uh, uh, psychologically the earlier in the second round is going to be tough just because those people don't get the next pick for another what 20 picks or something right yeah yeah i think people like you and i are probably more likely to take him which is basically the later half of second round because we can get another relatively comparable talent on the way on the other side right 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 so right. that makes a difference on where you are this is where the position matters right let's say you are one or two for instance you are two you're going to get two picks in a span of four picks yes i think you That's can true. spare one for uh, elliot but if you're on the other end you have to pick him not only you have you have to pick him earlier in the second round 
uh, then you got to wait another 20 rounds for somebody in that uh, vicinity you're not going to get anybody in that vicinity in your ranking right um, you have to wait 20 more picks so it's going to be interesting i think from me on it's 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 going to be on uh, and of course yeah. uh, of course so if let, he falls let me ask you, to, yeah so let me let me ask you something as a point of comparison arvin then i agree with you i think like uh, again using our league as an example if he's available uh, when i'm coming back for my second round pick which is pick number 23 i'm taking him yeah uh, i know that without a doubt <laughs> so but 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 i had a question though in this context mm-hmm. uh, let's say uh, he's available when you are picking in the second round and you have to choose and you picked up a wide receiver in the first round so you kind of again psychologically are looking to get a running back mm-hmm. uh, and you have marshon lynch carlos hyde lamar miller and elliot Yeah. Uh, and again, Arvind, let me know if you don't want to divulge your strategy, but frankly, it doesn't matter because you and I, I don't think are going to, uh, uh, you know, rival for the same guy. Yeah. But what is your stake then as far as Elliot versus any of those other guys? Exactly. That is exactly what I'm talking about, Ravi. What I'm saying is at your spot, if you have those four people, right? you can yeah. always think I will take Elliot and then on the way back, I'm going to get one of those other three. possibly right so the people from my point on in the snake which is late second round can think that way the people in the back end of it right cannot think that way let's say they have four people in that list right elliot and maybe even better people for them gurley um, whatever leonard fournette lamar miller whatever amari cooper they have to really pick elliot and lose out on all of them you see what i'm saying Yeah. So they have to yeah. wait another 20 picks and really go down to, you know, who knows who for the other pick. So that is the thinking. Now, given that list you are saying, I am right in the middle. So your chances are I am also not going to get any of those other three if I pick him. So I really need to think hard. If I were you and then I had those four options, obviously I am taking Elliot, right? Got it. If yeah. it was me, it is a tougher call. uh i i have to play it by the ear a lot will depend on who i have in my first round uh if it's receiver like we spoke about i may have to play it safe and skip elliot in that case so uh yeah that's, is, that's one of those analyzing. yeah it is one of those game time decisions let me <laughs> let me quickly uh, jump on to some of the names let's talk about what these guys mean just random names of some big name stars who are not who, you know the same right just like elliot How about andrew luck uh, i i'm really surprised at what has happened to him over the last couple of years um, now looks like there's no real clarity on his injury again the gambler in me still wants to take him i think he's good value uh, what do you think is he overrated underrated too risky less risky yeah i think he's i would define him as overrated purely because of the risk factor mm-hmm. uh, because if he's available i'm not sure if he's going to give me more fantasy points than uh, i don't know let me throw out some name uh, then say kirk cousins uh, but but uh, but but even that aspect i'm not certain about because of the risk involving his health yeah. so uh, again going to a you know a case study question if i have between luck and cousins to, or 
I have to pick luck in the fifth round versus waiting another three rounds to get someone else uh, like Cousins. I would wait. Yeah. So that's that's fair. How about a couple more names? How about um, Marshawn Lynch? Coming back from a retirement, he has uh, taken a year off. The reports from training camp are good, but I feel like they are always good. Uh, so uh, I, I am tempted to invest a high pick on him, but at the same time, I'm a little uh, scared. Yeah. Where do you stand on him? So, uh, and I'll kind of answer your question more uh, in the perspective of if he was on my team. So, if Marshawn Lynch was my number two running back, I would be disappointed in my roster. Mm. Ideally, if he's my flex or the number three RB, uh, I, I mean, you know, I would be fine. Yeah. Uh, so, the number two, just that's an interesting way of putting it. I like it. So, then if he's a number two, then you're really reaching, basically. You're hoping it works out like gangbusters, right? Exactly. <laughs> Which is what everybody wants, but that may not be the realistic or uh, smartest strategy, right? Everybody wants that. Everybody wants to pick this guy in the third round and then end up with a number two great running back. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, in fact, I might have a shot at him at in the third round at number six. Who knows? Um, how about Rob Gronkowski? He is, you know, after May, after a few years of just creeping up and up and up in the fantasy ranking, especially for a Titan, scaling new hun, uh, you know, uh, unforeseen heights, he's finally dropped back to the ground, primarily because of his injuries, right? Um, I feel like he is about where he needs to be in the ranking but i wonder if he's worth reaching for higher i personally i think compared to even luck or lynch i am a little bit down on him actually i usually i have reached for him in the past you know that uh, i probably won't this time uh, where do you stand on mr gronk uh, same same as you and i've never been gutsy enough to even think of picking him up early and I've never had a chance anyways yeah uh, but uh, uh, yeah this year more than ever before uh, the fact that uh, you know the injury is kind of mounted mm-hmm. plus something else that worries me about Gronk this year and uh, and that is the fact that it seems like Brandon Cooks has been going gangbusters in preseason yeah uh, Ed- Edelman's there as always mm-hmm. uh, Dion Lewis, it seems like he's there along with, I forget who's the third running back, not James White, but whoever is the third guy that they got from Buffalo. Yeah. My yeah. point my point is, in general, Gronk is Gronk, he'll have, he'll get his, but there was a point in the last two to five years mm-hmm. where he was Brady's number one option by far. Yeah. And yeah. I think there is a little muddling going on there. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. Um... Last name is let I want to throw in a rookie here, uh, Leonard Fournette. I've been a huge fan of him in college. Uh, I I he's in Jacksonville, obviously not the best of places, uh, along with your boy Blake Bortles. So <laughs> I'm really curious to see 
what he does but he is one of my favorite running backs uh, in this rookie class i've been i have had an eye on him for two years in college i might pick him just for that so uh, where do you have him slotted Yes, sir. he. I mean, I felt honestly, genuinely bad for him because I feel, I feel like again, I'm like you. I mean, I don't follow college football as much as you, mm-hmm. but you know, every year there are one or two names that kind of really bubble up and catch your attention, and you're like, oh man, this guy's going to create havoc in the NFL as well. And Fournette has been one of those. Mm-hmm. And what happens? The poor guy gets uh, stuck in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and the reason. that worries me is basically two names tj elden and uh, the other guy whose name i'm forgetting the white guy from stanford who used to be adrian peterson's backup in uh, uh, minnesota oh yeah uh, yeah 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 oh man and, and his I'm name is totally uh, toby you know, gerhard what is it toby gerhard yeah 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 gerhard and i know fornet is i mean we are talking chalk and cheese here it's just the jacksonville is such a depressing uh uh you know situation to think of plus the whole portals uh, uh case where uh, you know fornet could basically run his ass off and then have something uh, you know get picked and run back for a td the other way yeah. so 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 that's my only worry but again he's an all world talent yeah uh oh i lied i forgot one name uh carlos hyde i was shocked when there were rumors that they're going to cut him uh what really yeah there were and then it died down i think they even came out and said they're going to keep him or something like that yeah he is he was uh cut worthy supposedly like a couple of weeks back or something so he's a great talent he's been their only offensive player last couple of years but at the same time he's been injury prone and definitely not a great fantasy success maybe in the games he plays he is i my tendency would be to st- stay away from him but what do you think so uh, same drift that we discussed earlier with lynch arvind let's say if you pick a stud wide receiver in the first round yeah. and uh, go running back running back in the next two rounds which results in carlos side being your second running back so he ends up becoming your rb2 yeah. would you be upset yeah i would be <laughs> Uh, well, I see. Okay. Uh, well, I actually then, in which case, I know you are the 49er, uh, 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 you know, diehard. But uh, I may probably like him more than you do. Yeah, interesting. Because I actually like Marshawn Lynch more than him. It looks like you prefer this. You prefer this guy over him. Just because I don't know what that offense is going to do. You may be right. Kyle Shanahan may turn the whole things around. but given his injury history given the niners state of affairs i i i they don't have a lot of talent i don't know how much a coach and brian hoyer can change change the fortunes of a team anyway so that's that's good i think it's glad to get started on the fantasy talk i'm sure we'll do a deeper analysis on the values and sleepers and all that next time ravi um, yeah actually Arvind, if you permit, I have one name in the same mode that I wanted to get your thoughts on. Sure. And that happens to be my old favorite, Lamar Miller. <laughs> I am high, man. I am high. In fact, oh, I, I was going to throw another one, which I, then I stopped short because after what he did to you last year, you I know the answer. To me, DeAndre Hopkins is more interesting in this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I uh, by the way, DeAndre Hopkins is due for a comeback. So you like so you like him better than Lamar Miller? 
Yes. Wow. I am uh, I was I on Lamar Miller last year. I don't think he was that horrible, was he? Uh, I mean, relative to where he was picked, maybe he was not that great, but I thought he he, he was all right. What do you think? You know so I think we all got uh, drawn and uh, hypnotized by that uh, script around how Miami did not know how to use him and yeah. he should be used as a bell cow and then the first 5 or 6 weeks when he was used as such in Houston and obviously again with him the yards per carry was an issue but you know he's never been that kind of a guy so i think expectations have normalized this year again back to the exactly. you know the middle rung of the you know of the early running backs and i think that's where that's where he's due to perform <laughs> you uh, know i see you, some you, like again using the same uh, example if he's my running back too i'm actually worried you, interesting you know i noticed that too that you know last year he was like a top 4 or 5 running back or something right yeah now yeah. he is in the late early late second round early third round and just to let you know that how uh, high i am on him or how dumb i am i, I thought that was really low for him actually but <laughs> <laughs> oh this you mean this year's rankings for him? Yes, yes. Yeah. But that's where he is. He's uh behind the likes of Leonard Fournette and uh you know uh Oh, you know we can talk about this for hours and hours, right? The other interesting <laughs> name is Todd Gurley. He is dropped as you well. Know, I was going to name him as well along with Lamar Miller. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I I think he deserves that drop. Uh so uh I I yeah I would steer clear of him as well even though he's expected to have a comeback season. Where where do you stand on him? Uh you know I'm again I'm really scared scared of him because how putrid he was last year in comparison to the fact that in some you know in some drafts he may have gone number 1. Yeah. I think uh was baffling and uh you know and how times have changed where I think Melvin Gordon was drafted maybe in somewhere in 30s or 40s last year and if you ask me today obviously and this I'm not stating anything uh, super interesting but among the two SoCal running backs who would I rather have I mean obviously Melvin Gordon by a mile yeah yeah I agree with that all right I think that that gets us started gets us in the flow we'll, we'll do a deeper one soon um before we go on to our pakka five where we do a lot of uh, you know random hits that is on our mind i want to briefly talk about the kyrie irving trade in the nba ravi just because a suns yeah. suns fan how can we not right yes so suns are very much in play but supposedly where it's stuck at right now is uh, they don't want to give up uh, josh jackson right they would yeah. give up eric bletso and some kind of a pick from next year is is done so the question is whether you give up jj or this which is what the cleveland cavaliers want or the suns will give up bender or chris i think they want to give up bender which makes sense for me um i i i somehow i was the sneaking feeling that it's going to happen one way or the other uh what are you hearing and i know you are uh, much more clued into the arizona media space than i am uh what do you think about the trade and what are you hearing uh locally 
what i feel very uh, reassured by is the fact that it doesn't seem like there is any ways the suns will give up jj so uh, you know i think that part of it is is kind of reassuring uh, i think kairi would be great to have on the suns obviously to improve them as a team but even to kind of just improve their brand equity in the market i mean i felt really depressed seeing these uh, you know reports this past week or not reports but projections this past week where the suns are you know obviously being uh, uh, predicted to finish last in the western conference wow uh, by the way which happens to be one of my pakka five points as well but uh, i think kairi will do something about that mm-hmm. but having said that uh, i think there's no way we should be giving up on josh jackson in fact i'm kind of uh opposite of way where you are i think regarding the chris versus bender i like bender a lot more i see uh, so in fact i wasn't too happy when there were rumors floating around that it would be bledso plus bender plus a first rounder next year i think that's too much to give no that is uh, that me. is what i'm talking about too yeah that is what i'm talking yeah. about too in, oh yeah yeah in so fact so cavs like if they had uh, replaced bender with chris in that equation i would be more okay with it uh, but in any case giving up jj to me would be uh, criminal that's interesting yeah i agree with that too because a lot of people are saying oh what's this big deal about the rookie you are getting a 25 points per game superstar get him right i i yeah. i do not have a strong opinion on that but i am willing to trust the front office right i think they know they have been drafting well they know what they have with their young players they have not been great in a lot of ways but i think they are good at collecting assets and drafting young players right yes so i'm yes, totally exactly. willing to let them do what they want with this plus you know kairi doesn't play defense i i don't mind if they don't want to bet the farm on him right so i'm totally fine with that even though i i i am not entirely i mean he has not even played a game in the nba right how can we just say there's no way we give up jj that's not my point my point is more like i trust the front office let them and do what I, they want by the way exactly the same where yeah. you know i think philosophically I, i'm kind of not a big fan of giving up on someone who you kind of invested a lot of mind share into acquiring or drafting sorry yeah. and then kind of giving up without even testing it out sure sure cool i think i still think it's going to happen uh, one way or the other the season you know the nba season starts earlier this year so it's coming up fast I know by the way just on that I the other thing that I felt kind of bad about is that and I know it is in the reference to uh, you know a top 10 player like Kyrie that we are discussing this but in the bargain it almost appears that Eric Bledsoe is become being thrown around as a like a rag doll <laughs> I felt like you know there were points last year where he looked amazing yes yes i like him a lot but you know you got to give up something to get something right yeah yeah agree i mean if you don't even give blood so then what are you going to do <laughs> well that you need caution to make the deal i know you are you going to send like the sans gorilla for career <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you got to give up something i i'm i'm actually glad his name is in such high profile trades because that means there is value in him right the other side is uh, evaluating him the same way you and i are yeah in fact i heard some arguments that that's a good trade for cleveland yeah. from contesting yeah. this year standpoint just because of him because he is good he uh, plays better defense than kyrie and he might be just 
60-70% of him on offense. So which means LeBron can contend with him is what people are saying, which is good, good for him. Anyhow, um, I think that wraps up the uh, things we wanted to talk about. Do you want to hit on your top five things, Ravi, with the Paka five? Sure. Sure, and I'll be super quick this time around. Uh, so my first point is around Kaepernick and the whole, uh, uh, you know, crappy situation he's found himself in, in mm-hmm. not being wanted uh, for mostly non-football related reasons, I feel. And irrespective of what one's uh, stance is politically or nas- nationalistically on this, I think the guy deserves a chance to play. Uh, irrespective of, uh, uh, you know, the fa- I mean, again, let's, uh, having said what I just said, let me just move forward with his football skills and his uh, obvious uh, liabilities in regards to not being a pocket passer and all of that. It just baffles me that uh, there is a potential that Scott Tolzien might start for, in, uh, for the courts for a couple of games or that even Drew Stanton is your backup with the Cardinals. Uh, when uh, Kaepernick is basically begging for a job. So I think that that really bothers me to some extent. Uh, and, I, and I also, you know, it kind of shows you how the whole sporting environment is so fickle. Uh, just a few years ago, he basically took the 49ers to almost the promised land and uh, had become the darling of the masses all over. Uh, anyways, uh, so my second point is along... Uh, the lines of a similar personality, uh, different sport, and that happens to be our old favorite Johnny Mac, John McEnroe in tennis. Just read recently, and I had no idea about this before, but just read last month that there is a movie coming out called Borg vs. McEnroe. It's due to be released in September, Uh uh, and it obviously chronicles the fierce rivalry and the uh, mostly friendly but sometimes uh, competitive uh, equation that they shared. And I started thinking back, and Arvind, you possibly can also relate to this. I think I started thinking back of the times where we, we, we grew up in India, and tennis used to be, uh, other than cricket, probably the most uh, favorite sport to follow. And now that I look back at it, I think a lot of it had to do with the personalities. Uh, you know, the McEnroe's, the Connors, the Borgs, uh, that kind of were the ruling conquerors of the sport at the time. Yeah. And uh, I feel a lot of that has just eroded over the years. And I'm not diminishing in any way the work that Sampras did or even Agassi. And now, obviously, Federer has been just uh, an amazing uh, testament uh, to what a champion is. But that personality factor, the X factor, I think is sorely missing from the sport. And I think McEnroe was a great bastion for that. Sure. And all of this, despite the fact that he recently made a foolhardy comment about Serena not uh, uh, being good enough to beat the, what what was it, 700th men's yeah, player yeah, of the league. Yeah. I think, by the way, that's factually incorrect. I think she could beat uh, someone in the top 20, I feel. I think but so, anyway. too. I think so. I, I'm not as much, uh, you know, leaving the sexism part of it out. I think it's incorrect. I agree with you. Exactly my point. I mean, I think, you know, again, I think... I, I didn't even want to think of it from a you know Bobby Riggs and uh, yeah. Billie Jean King sexism uh, issue. I just think it's factually incorrect. I mean, I don't think Serena would lose to anyone outside of the top 20, if that. Mm. She's crazy. I mean, I think she's amazing. Yeah. Okay, my third point is around the Phoenix Suns and the depression around why, uh, you know, most uh, media experts are penciling them to be the worst team in the Western Conference next year. 
I can see where there has been no evidence to suggest that they'll be a contender. But uh, Arvind, you can probably educate me as to why people think they're going to be worse than the Lakers, the Kings, uh, even Utah for that matter. Yeah. Uh, and that too, I mean, they may end up being worse. But to me, for the fact that the majority of the experts feel that they are the worst team next year in the Western Conference just baffles me. It's a, that's uh, a depressing is the right word, Ravi. But I have to say, they're probably right. And that's because of this. Western Conference is just getting more and more difficult, right? And I think their problem is they have a, they are probably the youngest and most uh, immature team. Even the Lakers, uh, because of the way ball plays, I think uh, they can they have a little bit higher. And I know Utah and all that, them are, I think, clearly better because I think Hayward losing, they can compensate for that in other ways. So, Suns have a great future, but I think they're really still very young. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think uh, it, 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 it is probably more my emotional uh, distress talking here versus logical reasoning. <laughs> but again, I'm hoping that uh, they don't end up being the worst in the Western Conference. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so my fourth point has to do with basketball as well, uh, and that has to do with Kevin Durant recently coming back from India. He had gone there to run a series of workshops on behalf of the NBA, and all of which made me even more uh, admire the guy for everything he has done thus far in the NBA, but also that, oh my God, he's going to my country and he's going to kind of popularize basketball. And this guy comes back and gives a you know obvious interview where he totally... Uh, lambists India, its people, mm-hmm. says that it felt like a group of underprivileged people trying to play basketball. I mean, I, it, I, it was so shockingly disappointing. <laughs> and uh, and I think he was also very... Uh, it bothered me at so many levels. Yeah. Uh, uh, partly just the fact that it reeked of lack of sensitivity, but also a complete ignorance, uh, uh, you know, regarding what the world was or you know what yeah. his expectation of india was versus what india is and so that that really bothered me as well that part stuck up for for me stuck with me is that his ignorance he thought it was going to be like dubai or something i'm like yeah, what yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and, and you know just a point of comparison only because they are on the same team and you know we here in the bay area keep sometimes uh, analogizing between him and curry i think you put curry in that same spot i almost feel that you would get a more refined answer yeah. even if he had felt the same yeah yeah true okay so my last point and this is more of a customary uh, cricket update that i usually give as <laughs> part of my pakka 5 and that has to do with uh, uh, you know what's happening in the world of cricket uh, i see some kids in my neighborhood here play cricket and you know mostly they are asian kids asian south asian kids and it's nice to see you know them showing interest but overall i always feel i have no idea what the future of the sport is i mean just recently mm-hmm. there was this uh, test cricket series between india and sri lanka and that felt like uh, the harlem globetrotters playing the 90s chicago bulls i mean the the, the gap between the two teams uh, was so vast that even the die, most die hard cricket enthusiasts would basically feel like uh, giving up on the game if they had watched that and when you combine that with the fact that there are only six teams that play cricket in the or six countries that play cricket in the first place seriously and sri lanka happens to be one of those 
I'm really thinking that the sport of cricket itself is closer to being obsolete than not. Oh. Uh, you combine that also with the fact that some of the leading countries, like Cricket Australia, for example, there is a huge tussle that was happening until recently between the players and the board around payment and compensation. And as a result, there was this rumor that a couple of the players might just retire, quote-unquote, retire from playing for their country and instead represent you know, franchises in the 2020 game. My point is, altogether, cricket has become closer to being a circus than the sport that we remembered and followed. And that's, again, my fifth lament of the day. <laughs> that's a good list. That's, that's a pretty depressing thought. Uh, I think the cricket's backbone has become the subcontinent, right? The Indian subcontinent. Basically, it is very passionately followed there. Outside of that, I have grave concerns too because it's nowhere near uh, soccer in a country like England where it was born, right? The game was born. West Indies has also suddenly shifted so much that uh, their uh, top athletes are supposedly not going to cricket for some reason. So, yeah, there's a lot of concerns outside of the India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh uh, area. Yeah, and you bring up Two good points there, Arvind, which is just as I talked about Australia, West Indies is in an even worse spot where basically the top six players don't end up playing for their country or for the team. Uh, and then the second part is, yeah, other than the Indian subcontinent, which is Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka, or actually Pakistan is a good example as well, whereas they haven't played uh, you know, a, a game at home because of all the yeah. uh, uh, strife uh, in the last seven, eight years. So I, I'm like seriously concerned about what happens in the future. Wow, that's that's a good list and that's a valid concern, Ravi. So my list, um, I you know, I, I was looking at Kirk Cousins' interview in the Sports Center and, and I'm always fascinated by this guy. So this guy is voluntarily... Uh, refusing to sign mega deals and staying on almost like a year-to-year deal, right? And that to me is uh, very unusual in the NFL because people can get injured and just completely crushed in uh, in a year. But this guy is almost behaving like he's Michael Jordan or LeBron James and he's going on a year-to-year contract, which, which is pretty very courageous in some ways and very dumb in others. Plus, he's not as good as LeBron or Jordan is in their sport. So, I'm really uh, fascinated by the strategy him and his agent are following for his uh, career and his uh, free agency. So, I thought that was uh, very unique in the NFL context at least. Uh, My second point was about the NFL Players Association now saying that they will definitely be a work stoppage the next time the collective bargaining is up. I I guess it's a while before that happens. It's 2021 or something. But still, uh, it's going to be an interesting fight, I think. Or at least it looks like that now. Who knows? Maybe they're just posturing and everything will be figured out before then. Essentially, I think if they start pushing for guaranteed contracts, which I think they should, it's going to be a very interesting fight. Um, we got four years to talk about that, I guess. The third point I wanted to make in the Pucker 5 is also uh, how there is this general understanding that NBA is kind of gaining in popularity and I feel like NFL is 
losing. Uh, NFL is losing primarily because of the whole concussion and health concerns, right, among other things. And the fact that the league has not been very honest and has not handled that well. Uh, and then there are other problems too. Athletes get in trouble, they beat their wives, girlfriend, and NFL doesn't respond, blah, blah, blah. There's just so many things that is weighing NFL down. And NBA suddenly seems very resurgent and they've got three finals among the same teams for three consecutive years and that has drawn a lot of people in. There are super teams, there are superstars everywhere. It looks like in another five years, the sports landscape may look uh, significantly different. So I'm actually eagerly looking forward to that in some ways as an NBA fan, uh, but it's going to be interesting for NFL. My fourth point is sticking with another comparison. Uh, You know, there's a lot of hype around the Conor McGregor uh, Money Mayweather fight, and I, I'm not a boxing fan, or I don't even follow the sport, but I was thinking, given all the concussion and the health concerns around NFL, I think NFL is firmly in, in on route to becoming the next boxing. And what I mean by that is, I think the dangers to your body of the sport is becoming more and more obvious, and that means it will be viewed as some kind of... Uh, unhealthy sport which only the desperate or the completely insane will go to and that's pretty much what boxing attracts right now and I think NFL is in the same direction so I think uh, NFL and boxing are going to look very similar in another 20 years or so my last point it's more of a a personal lobbying uh, point is as a season ticket holder for uh, the 49ers, it's just frustrating how NFL shoves these uh, preseason tickets down my throat that nobody literally wants. So I sure hope they cut these preseason to two games. At least the players will be healthy and, and we won't get screwed out of two games, uh, which is really you know, 25% of the season because the NFL season is only eight own game, home games and then they shove these two extra tickets down our throat which uh, used to be the same price. Now they make it sound like they're giving us at a discount but it's still a complete ripoff. So those are my five lemons of the week uh, of the show, Ravi, and uh, hope we can yeah. do this again uh, more often. Yeah, no, absolutely, Arvind. I did have one question on uh, one of your uh, Bakka 5 points, all great points there. The one that I was really intrigued by is this whole Kirk Cousins thing. And frankly, I must admit, I didn't know any, I mean, I, I didn't follow that at all. Yeah. But so what's what's his logic behind not wanting like a mega deal and instead taking, I feel a huge risk going I, year to year. I know. I, I'm not uh sure as well it's actually if you're i think both of us should watch the sports center tonight or something there is a interview with him hopefully he explains that it is really confusing because he says he wants to stay with washington right because one of the theory is he doesn't want to stay there but he claims he wants to stay there and Washington openly came out and threw him under the bus and said, we gave so-and-so, you know, we offered like a gazillion dollars with, you know, bazillion guaranteed money and all of that. They just threw the entire thing out, I think, uh, just to show that it's not their fault, right? 
he didn't take it. And then he's on a franchise tag for the second straight year, I think. Which, by the way, for an average person, not bad, right? I think he makes like $16 million a year or something ridiculous like that. But still, if he can sign a $80 million, $100 million, $90 million contract, I don't know why he's passing up. And he's not like... Like I said, he's not a freaking, you know, LeBron James or Andrew Luck or somebody, right? So, uh, it's really confusing. But, uh, yes, maybe and, we'll, we'll check him out in Sports is, Center. Yeah, yeah, that is that is really curious. And, you know, especially because in football, uh, obviously there are no really guaranteed contracts. So, especially as when it comes to, say, linemen or quarterbacks, their most reliable uh, component of the contract that they sign is that signing bonus, right? Which can be guaranteed. Exactly. But if you're signing an year-to-year deal, you're basically eliminating that possibility as well. Mm. Uh, so, yes. And, and with Cousins, I mean, obviously, he seems like a sharp... I mean, he seems like he's thinking through things. Yeah. And that's why it's so baffling that it's not someone just making decisions from their ass. I mean, you know, this is a guy who probably has thought through this <laughs> right. and the fact that it still doesn't make sense is what is most baffling about it. Yeah, and, and you know, for our Bay Area folks, there's also this rumor that Kyle Shanahan now in uh, with the Niners, you know, he, he, Kirk had a good year with him in Washington, right, before Kirk, Kyle went to Atlanta. Uh, so, I think the Shanahans basically like Kirk Cousins, right? Uh, at least over RG3, which which is a low bar, but still. Uh, so the rumor is he will come to the Niners next year. So I, I don't know what's up. I wouldn't mind as a Niner season ticket holder that, that he comes to town. I can sell more tickets at least uh, when I am not there. So uh, that may be... That, I mean, that definitely be an upgrade over Brian Hoyer and Kaepernick and all of that. Uh, we'll see. We shall see what happens. Without a doubt, yeah. No, yeah. I think that is a great list again. And uh, as you said right at the beginning of the show, these are exciting times. And uh, really looking forward to chatting with you more. Yeah, let's do a show soon. Talk to you later. Sure. Bye. Thank you.